Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of funny. So, hey everyone, welcome to the Just Pick Something podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows. My name is Jakes, and I'm here with my co-host Franco, and the start of this episode contains some quick discussions on various topics like movie trailers that we've seen this week, TV shows that are just there, and other media we've been enjoying, before going on to a longer, in-depth discussion of, of the episode's main topic. And the subject of this episode's main topic is the movie Nope, directed by Jordan Peele, released this year, 2022. Time codes will be in the description as usual. And before we start this episode, we actually have a quick announcement. We made an email so that anyone listening to this podcast can send us their opinions about the movies we've discussed or the TV shows we've discussed. We plan to read out any correspondence we get at the end of the episodes going forward until, well, we just can't anymore for some reason. But keep in mind that there's going to be a significant delay in response time. We record and try to upload about monthly. So if you want to send us an email, please include a username, the episode or movie that you're referring, and keep your responses polite because we're real people on the other side of this podcast. <laughs> so the email to reach us is jpspmailbag at gmail.com. I'll post the email in the description and repeat it again at the end of this episode. But with that out of the way, Franco, is there anything you want to talk about on today's episode before we go on to discuss Nope? All right. Um, let me think. I watched a couple things. I just, so I know that we're going to discuss this at some point, right? Um, is it Sandman? Yep. I just started watching Sandman. Oh, dude. I finished Sandman yesterday night. Oh, man. So I'm, okay. I I don't know if you've read the comic. Full disclosure for anybody listening. I have two entire sets of the comic, not because I bought both, but I picked up the comic, okay. fell in love with it. It just bloomed this interest in reading comics. It's the series that got me into reading comics in the first place. So after reading the first book, I went out and got the second, got the third, fourth, and fifth. And then I started dating my wife, found out she was a super big fan of the comics too. Then we eventually got married, and now we have two sets of that comic series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's cool. I mean, yeah, I've, I've read them. I've read, well, at least I've read the first vo- two volumes. Never read the entire series. I never had, like, I read way too many comics and I never buy all the comics that I want to buy. I buy books or comics that I am absolutely in love with or would love to have a set of. Yeah, that's fair. Obviously, you could tell that Sandman would be one of those books, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so far, so far, as far as I'm into it, it's great. Can't wait to talk about this one in like in actual detail because I'm only I'm only like three episodes in, so I can't say anything. Oh man, I over the moon and ecstatic and just cannot wait to discuss this because I am in love with how well they did with adapting the source material. I have some very minor nitpicks about the series overall. Now that I've seen it in completion, but like it's hard for me with this bias I have of loving it so much that I. Have have like this huge set and then also a statue of dream a statue of death their crow like i love this series right so it's gonna be hard for me to maybe be objective and give it some fair critique but i do have some things in mind that i will like say about it that you know won't be just me fan gushing over for like an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah the last thing i'll say to wrap up my thoughts about sandman without giving any spoilers is um the moment that i get to see those characters pop up on the screen i was like oh man what an absolutely perfect casting just their like vibes and how i imagine reading them in the books especially desire i won't say when or where they appear in the series but the moment desire showed up i was like oh my god this feels like that gift of dean from community being like oh no is this going to awaken something in me (laughs) because man talk about capturing just the essence of what i would imagine the embodiment of desire to be yeah yeah, wonderful casting. Love. Yeah, them. we'll talk about that on a, in a different episode. Yeah, 
Coming soon. But what else? I also watched on Netflix Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that you've checked out some of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff and that it was good. Yeah. Personally, right, the newer season is a little bit more more contentious than all the previous ones. They did some major overhauls design-wise and character-wise and lore-wise. So a lot of old-school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans are like, mm, I don't know about that. For me, it's like anime Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is like all, like, you know, like I didn't, it was an itch that I didn't know I needed scratch and then the movie was like peak just anime nonsense action like they clearly the animation team behind it and the people who write the story clearly have like their full heart into it so like watching this movie was great it's not like a phenomenal film it's like pretty average but like they go all out it's really fun. Uh, if you're a fan of the Turtles, it's just cool to see like a different take on how they establish like their lore and like their villains. You won't see some like there's a lot of people that you won't see that you're used to, but it, they're cool takes. And that movie was definitely one of my highlights from the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, speaking of things you recommended to me, I've been seeing that movie on Netflix that you uh, talked to me about. Uh, last time the sea beast mm. i've been seeing it pop up on like my feet being like yeah don't sleep on this movie even though it might be geared towards kids it's really well done i think i even saw one of the actors talk about how like great it was to be on that movie because it's such a good and fun story to be a part of yeah i still totally recommend that movie it's very uh, the, the production team on that is also like peak. Nice. i'm very impressed with what they did and i hope that i can see more stuff from them despite I, again i'll stand by the criticism they do have like the the character designs are a little like uninspired in the sense that like we get similar designs to other series. You mean kind of like a, a standardization of kind of like aesthetic? Yeah, but for the most part, they they know what they're doing, and it's really it's really interesting to watch. All right, cool. But um, well, for me, well, now that we've briefly talked about Sandman, one of the other things that I've been watching this week, Hulu show called Murders in the Building. That one. It features uh, Steve Martin, yep. Selena Gomez, Martin Short, I want to say. Yeah, Martin Short. Yeah. But yeah, um, great show. It's a lot of fun. I watched the first season and then it ended. It was left on this big cliffhanger. Sorry if that's a bit of a spoiler. The whole show is a murder mystery. It's not an adaptation of a podcast, but they do a murder podcast on the show and that ties into the mystery that they are a part of so it's kind of like this show that would only exist because it's commenting on how you know murder podcast is so popular nowadays among everybody everyone loves a murder podcast like serial and other really famous ones but <laughs> yeah i watched it it was great i had a lot of fun season one ended I moved on with my life. I saw season two coming up and then uh, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what it happens. And then it took me a little bit of time to get back into it because of the gap between seasons. Let the hype die down a little bit. But then when I started watching it, I would say around episode three, I got really back into it. I'm like, all right, I'm hooked into the mystery again. I'm ready to go. Let's see where this ends. I hope this season ends off really strong, you know? I've, I've been meaning to watch it. I just don't have Hulu currently. So it's one of those things. Uh, if whatever some... <laughs> Whenever something's on Hulu, I'm like, maybe hopefully it'll show up on Disney Plus one day, which is what I did for the Orville, and I'm super happy that it just went on Disney Plus today. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't think Hulu is the streaming service that most people would be eagerly dashing to get, you know? Like, I think it's on the lower end of popular streaming service. Yeah, it's, it's, you only get it because you bundled it with Disney Plus and ESPN. <laughs> See, I, um, I got lucky where years ago, I took advantage of a deal that Spotify was offering where they were bundling Hulu, uh, 
um, basic Hulu with ads and Spotify premium together for $10. And I eagerly was like, oh, that's a great deal. And then I got it and have kept it ever since. I'm not getting rid of that deal. <laughs> that is a pretty good deal. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm grandfathered in and I eagerly make sure I my payments updated just to make sure I don't lose that grandfather deal because companies aren't necessarily fond of people being grandfathered into really good deals, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then the, the last thing I'll bring up so we can move on to our main discussion of Nope. It's not actually a TV show or movie, but there's been this band that I've been listening to a lot of lately. Their name is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They're from Australia. Have you ever heard of them? Most definitely have not. Other than having a really fun name to say that kind of feels like a, a tongue twister, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. It's this really cool band that's been around for a while that I'm just finally getting into. And it's hard to th- recommend them in the way where it's like, oh yeah they have this one album i think it's genius you should go listen to it because i think you would like this rock album right but instead it's like every album they do is a different genre or a different style with loosely connected things and it's kind of like oh you want to listen to their classical album or their like instrumental album that's cool go check it out they have an album for that do you want to listen to an album where they feature a lot of microtonal music go listen to that do you want to listen to a few songs that kind of sound like they're taking or inspiration from the beastie boys they got that too do you want to listen to a song where they're going to be like head banging and you're going to be like rocking out and having a good time they got that you know it's just they have tons of music to listen to and i feel like everyone can find something to listen to they have a song that will probably hit a genre that you're into and they did because i found a song that i was into which was their song shanghai i was like oh this is great and i want to listen to them more and then that's what got me listening to like four of the five of their albums repeatedly for like two weeks okay dope they kind of give me based off how you described them they give me like sparks vibes oh that's a band i've never heard of oh sparks okay yeah so the only reason i know who sparks is because edgar wright did a documentary called sparks brothers um and they're a band i think it's in the documentary it's described as the band that all your bands are inspired by oh really yeah they've been around for like decades and their whole deal is that like they never try to do the same thing twice and so they're oh. just like very experimental and very forward thinking in their musical like design and it's very neat they have some very good music i definitely recommend it oh cool yeah Um, i see them on youtube i'll definitely check them out because um i guess to wrap it up yeah king gizzard and the lizard wizard i think they're a great band i've been having a lot of fun just checking out their discography and checking out how every album seems to differ slightly in style um i even listened to or listened to a a review from that one guy on youtube who reviews like all the music and whenever someone Anthony Fantano. Yep, Anthony Fantano. Like every time <laughs> every time anyone pulls up a review of music or to have someone talking about music review in like a thumbnail in a YouTube video, that dude's face always appears. Hey man, he's, he's, he has a very uh very memeable face. I don't know what what to do. But yeah, I, I see him. Yeah, same thing. I feel see his face all the time when it has to music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I, I went to check out Anthony Fantano's review about their albums. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Uh, thanks for this review. I will check out these albums that seem to vibe with what I'm into or I'm currently listening to. Which I guess is why he's so popular on YouTube. Because every time somebody wants to check out an album from an artist we just found, they'll probably search that artist's name and his face will pop up. Yeah, he listens to a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, definitely you should watch, you should listen to Sparks as well, or at least try them out. I don't know if the documentary is still on Netflix, but Edgar Wright, I love Edgar Wright. So anything anything from him, I'll just 100% recommend regardless. Nice. Watch. I'm calling it now. I'm 
I'm going to guess that one day this band I mentioned, and I'm going to say their name again because it's just so much fun, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. One of their songs will probably end up in one of his movies because some you can just tell what kind of music that man listens to, kind of like James Gunn and the music he listens to. Yeah, they have, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what they're like musical catalog looks like <laughs> yeah for sure but yeah with that i think we're ready to move on to the main topic of today's episode let's do it ne- never mind nope i'm not ready <laughs> okay i had to use the name in the once all right so we're going to talk about the 2022 american sci-fi fiction horror film directed and written by jordan peele it stars daniel kalua kiki palmer Stephen young <laughs> and michael winscott and brandon piera and just a quick summary of this movie we follow two ranch owning siblings who attempt to capture evidence of an unidentified flying object, which I guess, according to this movie, the government recently changed how they classify unidentified flying objects. So now they're actually called UAPs. U- no, yeah, it's UAPs. It's UAPs. I'm particularly UFO. <laughs> I also will probably keep saying UFOs until it becomes so broadly adopted by pop culture that I will still end up using UFOs just to be an ungrumpy old man being like, back in my day, this is how we called aliens, you know? <laughs> I like using outda- outdated terminology when it's not harmful, like using old slang, like groovy. It's fun, man. I mean, I use dope all the time. That's a surprise. I don't think I've ever used the word dope once. I swear I've used the word dope like 50 times on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I use dope all the time. I remember I got a a real just a confused look from somebody when I use the word yo in public and they're like what <laughs> but yeah so uh, <laughs> so real quick have you seen Jordan Peele's other movies like Get Out and Us of course of course I watched I watched Us in theaters Get Out I was a little late to the train on just because it was like one of those like super overhyped movies it was one of those movies where you hear so much about it you're like I have no interest in watching this it's just like you guys selling it so highly that I can't believe that it's that good. I'm just going to wait. And then I was like, I was wrong. You guys were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can totally get that mo- feeling from his movies, especially Get Out when that came out. Talk about a huge cultural milestone for a lot of people. But yeah. for me personally, I did see both of his movies in theaters. I really liked Get Out when I saw it. I, I remember seeing that trailer the first time it showed up on the internet. And thought I was watching one of those SNL clips or something. And it turned out to be real. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be an interesting movie. And it turned out to be really good. When I went to go see Us, I was also pretty excited to keep that you know, feeling going now that I got to see that first movie. Yep. And with Us, it, it was just not my favorite movie. I don't think it was bad. I just didn't like it that much. I thought it was a little... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a, a little... What is... What, what What's the right way to put it? Lost in what it was trying to attempt to do or comment on. There was a lot of things that it did really well. I think the horror was really good. Overall, I just didn't really like the movie that much. But with this movie, I thought it was great. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really dope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, with Get Out, um, like I said, like I was a little late to the party with that. Uh, I get why people love that movie and they consider that their favorite of his filmography. He only has three. It's not really like you're ranking much. <laughs> yeah. He came out the gate really strong. He's made a name for himself in terms of directing and yeah. producing large-scale movies after his you know long, long career in comedy. And I understand why that's also many people's favorite. But I think, for me, this is probably my favorite yeah. of the three so well so i so i see why people like get out it is really good i think it's i jokingly say that get out is people's favorite because they they are kind of like the 
dad in that movie. I don't know if you remember the quote where he was like, "Oh yeah, I, I voted, voted for, for Obama." Obama third time. <laughs> so the people who love Get Out the most are like, "I would have watched Get Out a third time if I had the chance." And I'm like, "Okay, guys, we get it." <laughs> then us, I, I I really enjoy us. I thought it was great. I I would have to rewatch it to try to see like what you're talking about in terms of like the looseness of it. Because for me, I remember being a fairly tight film and me just like not 100% jiving with like some mystery there. But that might have been. I don't, I would have to go back. I, I haven't watched it in a long time. Likewise, I haven't seen it in quite a while. I think the way I want to describe it is I found most of that movie really enjoyable. I would say the first half really hooked me and I was really invested. I have to remember. I think I wrote a review on it. I mean, again, I liked it. I just I think it, in terms of the three he's came out with, which again, considering how small his film projects have been, relatively strong perform like <laughs> track record so far. You know? Yeah. So no is definitely my favorite i think it's definitely his strongest mm -hmm. i I would argue with anybody who says Get Out is the strongest film. I don't think so. I think this one, he tackles a lot of themes and balances them very well. It allows the audience to have more of a conversation with his work than any of the other ones do. Like, at least we get out because it's the one that most people will compare it to in terms of, like, value. I was like, there's more that this movie tries to say and talk about than Get Out. And I think that it's both done on a stronger technical level, but as well as like a storytelling wise i think that this movie does a lot more to push his his filmmaking forward he does a lot of stuff on camera work with how he edits his movies how he tells the story how he like the actors that he uses and why he uses certain things i think very much that this movie is on an entirely different level than the other two and i understand why some people don't see that because there is a lot of enjoyment to come out of Get Out and it was his first and it was very innovative and yeah. there's a re there's a place for it in regards to like black horror. Yeah. Plus it did capture a certain level of humor while also ta tackling hard subject matters to bring up in a movie. Yeah, and there's, there's, and there's some intimate fear in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's this fear that I think with the ongoing conversations of people of color and other minority groups finally being able to express and show their voice, they get to bring up topics and experiences that to a larger general audience might not be in their collective consciousness, you know? Yeah. And with Get out it was a great movie that did that and started a lot of interesting and good discussion and i also think it had a nice balance of like humor and horror while also being a good movie about commentary on society and stuff yeah. and you know i think with that and speaking of the three movies he's come out with so far it's interesting to see that at least in terms of humor the first one i feel lent itself more to have humor mixed into it versus yep. us which also had comedic moments but more skewed towards the horror aspect of that overall movie and in this one i think it was a nice blend of all the ideas that we've seen so far just i think this movie had some really good usage of humor while also being serious, leaving a lot to be interpreted and examined, a lot of creative use of cinematography of the medium, yeah. and really taking advantage of the IMAX, I, uh, IMAX format. Oh, did you watch it in IMAX? I did not, full disclosure. I didn't see it in IMAX. Okay. I got to experience it in just a regular movie theater format. But once I found out that the IMAX showing took advantage of the format, I kind of went to see what other people were saying about it. And okay. I completely see what they mean about you 
using the formatting and how it's slightly taller and how that would really take advantage of like how the movie tends to direct your eyes upward you know from the trailer to the posters to the actual use of cameras in the movie you know yeah do you want to go directly full-on spoilers? I think, yeah. I think from this point on, we're going to be spoiling a lot in this movie. I think we spoke quite a lot of non-spoilery talk. Yeah. I think now it would be a good way to transition into that spoiler discussion. So yeah, from this point on, spoilers about Nope. And it's pretty clear that we both really like this movie. You should watch, you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to start off uh, the spoiler discussion? Do you have something in mind you want to talk about first? Yeah, so there's so much to talk about with this movie god there is man (laughs) yeah so there's so much because not only is there stuff in the movie but there's like conversations around the movie that i think are super fun Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen a few interpretations of this movie like um people talking about the spectacle outside of it how animals are represented in this movie what this movie could possibly be intending to represent or all the different meanings this movie could have which i think is probably one of the stronger suits of like jordan peele's movies is that yes. when he makes a movie, it's fun to talk about his movies because there's so much open-endedness to them. Yeah, but they're still so, so concise that they're enjoyable films. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh man, you can get this, this, and this out of like how this character acts or why these characters do this or why this was looking like this, right? So just, I guess we start from the beginning. It starts with an incredibly tense where you, a scene where you don't even see a monkey attack, a chimpanzee <laughs> attack. And I'm like, yo, this movie started off wrong. I... <laughs> Dude, I, I thought we were I was watching another like uh, movie studio uh, animatic intro because um, oh you're talking when the when when you when you uh, when it's like you're like going through the little tunnel thing yeah yeah because um you know his his movie studio is called like Monkey's Paw yeah right yeah and I was like oh this is just a continuation of something like that right I'm fairly confident that I was not the only one as I've heard or people with similar react to that moment or at least the opening moment like i think i've seen it on twitter or reddit or just pop up on my oh where they thought the monkey attack was like a monkey's paw like thing i thought we were like oh this is another one and it's gonna the movie is gonna start any second now but no no it starts off this way and i was like oh oh shit this is unsettling as fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it starts i I very much remember that when i watched it i watched it two weeks ago i'm glad that you have it fresher in your memory than i do oh yeah i watched it sunday morning (laughs) at a matinee so uh super fresh in my mind yeah it was it's very much like not what you're expecting it's very funny i walked into the movie knowing that there was a monkey involved at some point really i didn't know anything about the monkey at all well the only reason i knew is because people were talking like they were like oh the monkey in the movie oh it'd be crazy when you see the monkey in the movie so me walking into the movie thinking okay there's a monkey in a sci-fi movie there must be like a monkey astronaut or something uh that's my mind of thinking oh there, yeah no that's pretty smart i wouldn't think of it that way <laughs> and and then i see the opening and i'm like oh this is not at all what i was expecting <laughs> and i was like and this is very unsettling and then he continues the unsettling this with the opening of seeing the film of the the first film playing with what you find out later is like the bowels of the mm-hmm. alien yeah yeah for sure and, and i'm like oh the atmosphere and the tone that you're setting right now is perfect well, yeah oh man i think it was really smart to start off with that scene instead of what i thought was going to be the natural opening of the movie which we did get like moments after that initial scene the opening this narration over the animation animatic of the you know jockey riding the horse leading us into the movie i think that was a really clever way to establish the unsettling aspect of this film and i was like oh man i can't wait to see how this plays out in the movie 
you know? Yeah. From there, we get to see OJ, who's our, one of our main characters, and his dad, and he gets killed by, like, quarter? Or is it, is it a quarter or a nickel? I, again, it's been two weeks, but I think Keith David's character dies from a quarter. Yeah, so the quarter goes through his eye and kills him, and I'm like, yo, what the heck? Like, like you, you know it's a, from the UFO, but it's one of those things where he's like, yo, what the heck is going on? Why? And it builds so well, because things just start dropping, and you're like, oh, is it raining? Is it, like, hailing or something? And then we get to see that scene play out, and it's very just devastating, especially that jump cut, Keith David's corpse on the table. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it was, well, first I thought he was going to get abducted. I thought that was what was happening. Keith David's character was going to get abducted, and I saw, like, you see him for a second. OJ's character turns around, so you don't see him. And then suddenly you look back, and he's not on the horse. And I think that he's abducted. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. That was quick. And then I see that he's on the floor and he's dying and then you go through the car with them and the blood splurting out of his face and he's just muttering trying to keep conscious and it's just talking yeah. and then then you jump cut to him being dead on the table and i'm like oh my god this whoa that's crazy so yeah yeah. Which is great because what that brings me to originally is like, so one of the readings that I did not take away from this movie, which I thought was very cool, was that the movie was mostly about grief and how one handles one of those moments in their life. They talk about later in the movie something called a bad miracle, right? Yeah, yeah. And they talk about like, uh, so they talk about a bad miracle, right? And and you could tell that this OJ is talking about a bad miracle and it's mostly in reference to the fact that like, yo, a quarter fell through the sky and killed killed my dad right like you know that's impossible that is what most people would refer to like if it was something good money falling sky would be a miracle but this is not not that him and kiki palmer's character emerald going through and like dealing with the ramifications of their father's death and like how that affects them and i was like you know i did not take this as like a personal story aspect that level of like theme so like it was very neat to like see that as like a, a viewing that people had and like they took it like very personally and they like were like really emotionally hit by that yeah i mean to speak on that bad miracle segment of the movie right it's really cool because i really like when kiki palmer's character emerald haywood is just in uh talking to her like brother and he says you know what's a bad miracle and they got to work for that and there isn't so she just shrugs and says nope it's kind of like the name or the word nope is the term for a bad miracle because that's the answer that they gave you know yeah which is really cool but i did not take away interpretation of this movie representing like you know a way to deal with grief i actually didn't really take away uh interpretation of this movie that many other people seem to have i think like you know i've seen this movie talked about on for example the youtube channel wisecrack they mostly focused on this movie and how it related to the idea of spectacle right yep. the thing i took a bit was mostly about how humanity seems to arrogantly think they could control and rein in not only animals but everything around them and how like it's kind of just arrogant to think that they have control and then the way the movie ends it's like actually people do have they don't even realize is a bigger role in not only the environment the world and also how we just interact with everything around us especially animals because the idea of animals and like controlling them and feels really present throughout this whole movie from you know the the chimp to the horses to the ufo and i 
just thought it was mostly about humanity and their interaction with animals. Yeah, so it's funny. Okay, so definitely saw that, and I definitely had discussed that with someone prior, where it was like very much like a humanity's arrogance in terms of role. Uh, but while you were saying that, it was very interesting. My mind immediately goes that yeah, you like it does talk about that, and like the end of the movie is about how ultimately the only thing you really can control is yourself, as well as like the respect that you give towards other beings because the way that they end up kind of winning is that he's like oh you have to you can't look in any eye because that's like you know it, it's like territorial so that like you're not respecting it and it will lash out right mm. so like the idea that they're like we use that as a way of controlling the situation and then end up killing it but uh for me what i pretty much took out of it re- like the the main point that i had originally came out with it because i came out with a bunch of different oh man the, the list of things that i had to talk about with movie is insane <laughs> yeah i had the one interpretation of it coming out and then as this movie sat with me i thought of a few different ones like one thing about jordan peele's movies it's always about kind of the black experience in america and how a history of you know african americans have been unrepresented or just kind of ignored he puts a lot yeah. of his experiences as a black american into his movies but uh so when i first came out of it a lot of it was my my original like first level interpretation was more uh, like an exploration of the relationship between a viewer and an artist right so obviously there's mm-hmm. the the alien in the movie is called a viewer right and there's a whole entire thing about yeah creating spectacle and controlling spectacle tv show that the even young character was in when he was a child that they had the monkey on would have the attack but there's a whole entire like the idea of like capturing this alien off film and like not being able to look at it in the eye yeah. and it's just a whole idea that like you as someone who is creating like if you're a creator in any form or medium like the amount of pressure you put on yourself because of your audience is so detrimental that it could kill you. You're trying to control this reaction. You know, like you never know how the people who are digesting your media are going to react to it, right? So it could be that you're thinking that like, I'm putting this out there, I'm putting all this work and the viewer isn't necessarily a good or bad entity, right? But it can have a negative response to you that is dangerous for you, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, Jordan Peele is at a point in his career where he is now being expected to form a certain way and to create a certain way and so he's looking at it like what kind of pressure and how much does that is that detrimental to him and the source of that is obviously the audience right it's not himself for the most part that's causing that level of, of stress and you know stuff it's mostly that like there's an expectation that was no longer that, that wasn't there like they mentioned in the movie the the cinematography guy talks about you know oh you have this dream that you're going to be on top of this mountain you're never going to get there and you're never going to be satisfied and the way that it is is not as good as you think it yeah, is. Yeah, this is a, this is Michael Winscott's character, Antler Hoist. Yeah, and so he is having that conversation and, and you can kind of tell that there's there's like some like personal like Jordan Peele's like, yeah, this is how it is in this career and in the field to try and, you know, tame this beast that we have as, that is the audience and try to satiate it. But you, you, oh, so would, I was going to say, would you say that you think that character, Antler Hoist, is a kind of directorial insert? I wouldn't say he is specifically. I would say the movie, you know, I, I can see Jordan Peele talk, sees himself as like all of the characters pretty much, but like Antler Hoist is very much like that specific part of that theme. I very much don't think he, like, he's like, that's like, like an insert. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right about the characters in this movie all representing some aspect of Jordan Peele's either experience or personality. Yeah. Because like you can probably assign something like did with uh this character and refer it back to Jordan Peele. Yeah. So so you like you mentioned you're talking about the race the racial aspect of it, and it took me a second. I was like, I know there's always like yeah, like you said, there's always something on that level that would be spoken about or like you can point at. And there's obviously the the beginning where they talk about the great great grandfather who was never recognized for his work mm-hmm. and never appreciated it. Yeah, which for anyone listening to this, the video that we got to see in this movie was real, but the name and the legacy was not. Yeah. The name was made up by Jordan Peele. Yeah, there literally is no record of the first man on video. Yeah, and there's actually multiple films of a man riding a horse, but it's just important to make that distinction because it kind of adds to the movie almost a little bit, you know? Yeah, so in my, one of the things that I thought about as I was like trying to digest it was Stephen Young's character specifically because he was like an antagonistic quote unquote force for our characters. I was like, okay, usually there's people like to make a very clear like black or white argument about racial issues, uh, yeah, right in a literal sense. But I was like, I think I wonder if there's like anything about the Stephen Young's character that I can like dig into. And for me, part yeah. of what I what I was recognizing was like the Stephen Young's character, uh, Jupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jupe. Right. Mm-hmm. Short for Jupiter. Jupe's character, I was like, wonder where he fits in because some people would say that the, the monkey stuff definitely adds a lot to like the taming of, of nature and the stuff mm-hmm. you were talking about thematically, but I was like, there has to be something else there. And what I what it came made me think about was, you know, Jupe was not only was he like a child actor, but he also represents kind of like the minority token child actor from like the 90s. Oh, yeah. Right? Where it's like, oh, there's a mostly white cast, but you have black, this young black character or you have this young Hispanic character in this case Asian right and the the relationship that him and Gordy had on TV was that they were they were both the minority character inserted in that show right yeah and while it's okay it's, it's a little suspect that I think this way because it's like oh, are you saying that because it's like a legitimate idea or is it like that kind of statement's kind of sus Anthony okay um, <laughs> okay alright what is it so obviously Steven Young is young Asian boy and Gordy and the monkey and the idea is that Jordan Peele didn't want it to be super on the nose about it thing, but the idea is that like Gordy represents another minority child. Hmm. That's why I say it sucks is because it's like it's a monkey, Anthony. That's kind of rude. And I'm like, unfortunately, that is a stereotype and a blur that people use. And that's how they would refer it. Like, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're getting at with this with this idea and that how you say it's kind of sus or might be reaching, overanalyzing. No, but so, so I'm saying it like in the sense that like he did what he's doing is he's saying he's telling a story where he's like, OK, so Stephen Young's character is on the show and there's another minority character there. And then the other minority character has an outburst. Right, a violent outbreak. In this case, it's a literal violent outbreak. But in a lot of cases, a minority actor has a, vi- a quote unquote violent outburst. They're put down by the studio. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I and see what you're getting at. Ostracized and referred to as 
like a problem. They have a bad attitude. Oh, they're violent. They're hard to work. And so like Peel is, like, I feel like the, the thing that's going on right now is like he's remarking on how the industry treats specifically black actors, right? Because you'll talk about the John Boyega who will have very outward opinions on the people that work with them. And then the, a lot of the film industry and a lot of fans will be like, oh, he's making a big stink out of everything. He has a bad attitude. He's a bad actor. Like it negatively impacts them to a point where it's like, yo, we're like, they they basically killed this person's career, right? Kind of like, um, I want to say his name is Ray Fisher, the man who played Cyborg in the DC universe. Yep, Ray Fisher. So Ray Fisher, he has a quote-unquote outburst in the sense of the, the studio system, right? And they're like, oh, we blacklist Ray Fisher. Oh, his, his career's ruined. He's okay. dead in this industry, right? So, like, I feel like you can grab that because, like, effectively what happens is something out of his control Control, right happened and it caused him to react and because he reacted in a way that people don't don't like you know he's put down and obviously in this movie it's exaggerated because he's actually the, the gordy is actually killing people right right yeah so what you're saying is it kind of doesn't work one-to-one but i can see what the argument you're making and how you got there i can i definitely see what you're getting at well i, I think like i'm not saying like it has to be one-to-one it's just like a symbolic kind of meaning right right because then gordy at the end of his outburst tries to go to the only other minority character that's around him right yeah and tries to like show like a like a you know an image of camaraderie which is this bump mm. and he gets shot and killed and steven young's takeaway from that isn't one of like oh you jupe's reaction to that isn't necessarily one of like oh man this person that i was close with and was like in a similar situation as me was hurt by the right mm-hmm. uh but like i'm able to still move on and continue to do stuff which is also like i want to say there's like a tiny little bit of the whole entire like the word uh model of oh, the model minority myth, oh, okay yeah yeah right where people consider asians a model minority so as opposed to black people who are they don't consider black people a model minority i can see how the these negative um uh, stereotypes kind of lead to this idea yeah so like it, I, I, it's just like one of the things where it's like hey yeah so like steven young's character is like oh and then he marries a white woman you know he continues to try to play others for his own benefit and he's like i'm in the right for this like he literally says i've been chosen right so it's this idea that he thinks there is like a level of superiority in his character like arrogance yeah of, of arrogance and it's like one of those things where it's like yeah like if you are considered a model minority you would mm-hmm. be like it's perfectly okay for me to act like oh white people like me right mm-hmm. unfortunately that's it again it's a myth yeah, it's a myth right? there's a reason model minority myth yeah like i don't you know i'm not saying that this is actually how it is and like how people should react no it's just an unfortunate negative stereotype that exists in the world yeah, it's a negative stereotype that are like yeah and then so you know Stephen Young's character is antagonistic towards OJ and M but you know what I didn't interpret that as like outright hostility though no but he he does take advantage of them and their their you know how oh yeah for sure like he's he's aware that they're in financial trouble and he's buying their horses essentially like the, the only thing that's able to keep them afloat and pretty much sacrificing them so cutting off any potential revenue long term you know because they try to propose that they want to buy back their horses but we as the audience get to figure or figure out, out that's not gonna happen you know yeah so that, that's that's why i'm like i feel like that 
that is like a theme that you can get out of it right mm-hmm. and you know there it's i'm not sure if he was going for that but it is very much something where i was like, like man like his character just represents so much yeah i read the arrogance like the just like the status that he has and like the power that he has over the you, you regardless of you see it as power right because you're like well he's just a guy like he's just buying stuff he's like no but you have to understand that he is leveraging the fact that he has the money they need right, right? yeah so yeah. like take advantage of the situation i i really liked his role in this movie i think his character dupe was very well done and a big part of this movie probably wouldn't be the same without his involvement like his yeah. character's storyline i see what you were getting at with that interpretation i didn't pick up on that interpretation really at all the interpretation i think i came to because like i said i mostly center in on the idea of like animals these characters kind of grew up around animals and it was their job to like interact with them and oj's job was was kind of to like tame them you know yeah and they each had these special relationships with these animals but like see suddenly you know it is an animal and it could like kill you if you aren't careful or you don't know how to properly interact with them right so that's mostly how i interpreted its role like in terms of the chimp and how the animals interact with the characters and yeah of course but i will say as you were discussing this other interpretation you had that centered more about like race and stereotypes and everything i think the the representation of the characters in this movie kind of made me feel like this could have this possible interpretation kind of kind of like a commentary on how groups have to almost compete with each other to acquire a level of like success you know what i mean yeah. because unfortunately it feels like in this movie you know with hindsight and an outside perspective it feels there is a world in this movie that could have existed oj and his business jupe and his business could have come to some kind of like merger or partnership agreements where they both could have helped each other make money for both their businesses and support each other and instead we are presented with the reality in this world where it almost feels like they're naturally pitted against each other because it feels like they have to each take care of their own things and they have to like come out on top for themselves and their families and it's kind of just like this vicious cycle. I would say these characters and their businesses were doing relatively well up until recently where the events of this movie started to take place right? Yeah I mean that's fair to me yeah because uh, there's also like the idea that maybe like okay so there's also the idea that that humans are kind of framed as also predators and so you talk about the haywood ranch is one territory that they never let uh jupe into right right like that is their territory and about them being territorial and like you can't do certain things but jupe is also has his territory and he understands like oh the way that i get you is i let you in and i can take advantage of these kind of things i mean even talking about angel's character right and with the idea of territory yes. you have this guy coming in at first the haywood family's a little hostile towards this outsider coming into their area yeah they're very much like okay you can leave now yeah yeah and understandably because you know, again, in this movie, everyone's out, make their money or their mark on history by capturing some kind of evidence of this uh, UFO, right? I think there's just so much you can interpret in this movie and take away from it outside of just the surface level of reading of it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so real quick, I don't know, I didn't watch videos talking about the spectacle half of it. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos to try to help remember some of the plots and the moments of this movie. Okay. Since it's been about two weeks, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't have time to go watch it again or the money <laughs> and uh you know yeah so okay so real quick i don't i don't know if anybody has said this but i think the three names of angel em- emerald and oj were very intentional i think they all come into play in the final act right oh yeah they 
names are very intentional in this movie from the names of the horses like Ghost to the names of the like the Haywoods and Jupiter. Yeah. They all feel like they have a purpose behind their naming. So so Angel's name, I feel like is like a reference to the true form of the alien. Oh, yeah. But you find out it's a creature, right? Mm-hmm. But then it has like this big like biblical angel form that it comes into. Like, you know, if you ever actually read what the biblical version of angels are, they're like these like the seraphim spinning formless like beings. What is it? The biblical depiction of an angel. It can be like a spinning wheel with multiple eyes on fire. Yeah. You know, uh, usually what is it? The, what is the term they always say? Like in the people reference to like be not afraid because they're horrifying. Yeah, they're absolutely terrifying beings. Yeah. So like the idea that like he's a reference to one and eight an an alien coming down from the heavens is also like you know kind of like a miracle ray and Mm -hmm. emerald i feel like is a reference to like when it shoots out it's like eye stock thing oh yeah shiny green color that like you're supposed to like stare at and she's like the real showy person in that in that like group mm-hmm. yeah right but then if i'm talking if, if there's anybody who's like very specifically named for something it's oj and you can get this very early on when he first says his name is oj he says it to the little the older white lady that was like on the commercial right yeah and her free response is like oh my god your name's oj and like you're supposed to as an audience know that the reason she responded that way is because she's thinking of oj simpson yeah yeah the whole pop culture impact of OJ's name yeah. which funny enough watching some media from before his very publicized court trial and like things have come out afterwards like the documentaries and stuff he was in movies he was a, a pop culture person you know like i think what was he in yeah. airplane 2 or something like that yeah but so yeah obviously he's he's very clearly named for like the idea of like oj simpson mm-hmm. but one of the biggest tv spectacles of all time mm-hmm. right no doubt, is O.J. Simpson in his Bronco driving around being chased by the police for several hours. Yeah. And the third act of this movie has O.J. riding around on his Bronco. Ah, I didn't catch that. So the idea that, like, well, that's a very clear reference. A Bronco is a horse. O.J. is riding his Bronco being chased. And if that's a very cool reference. People should get that. I have not heard anybody mention it. I, <laughs> I didn't put that two and two together. Wow, that is a good catch. The one that I and many other people obviously noticed was the Akira reference with the bike slide. Oh, yeah, 100%. That too. But yeah, I, I can't express how much I love when that reference pops up. It's just everywhere you know what i mean like this movie anime tv shows movies i think you can even look up just compilations on youtube i, I could just go on I don't, think, I, I don't think any superhero movie has ever done it which is surprising as all heck because if you if you told me someone's gonna do an akira slide i swear i would have seen the flash do it <laughs> i mean it's been done in like steven universe and like uh, craig of the beat but so yeah so there, there's that but like there's a lot of stuff that's clearly peppered in from jordan peele's like actual experience in like media because they talk about SNL in the movie. They talk about a very specific actor. So, you know, he talked about him and how he like, like he's a very clear reference. And if you know his story, talks about how he messed up his neck getting too into a skit. So the idea of like trying to do like the, the level of spectacle is dangerous to like, you know, to the people. They mentioned Oprah shot and they have a very clear reference to a woman who was on Oprah for being attacked by a chimp. Yeah, yeah. They um, even designed the character who was attacked by a chimp in this movie off her appearance on that show so the idea that um, plus there was a real life tragic 
tragic event where this beloved chimp pet ripped the face off their owner aggressively in a few years ago. Yeah, so you're you're talking about like yeah, there's there's multiple levels of like real life like actual references that Jordan Peele's making, mm-hmm. and so that's why I'm like when people so I mean one one other reference is even the UFOs or the UFO in the movie when they do their I guess what we can call the full biblical depiction of an alien right or an angel the way their eye moves out it almost seems like a shutter like a camera shutter kind of leads into the the whole theme of speckle like the way everyone's eagerly trying to capture this alien on film or some kind of like documentable evidence and then you have its actual appearance and the way it uses its eye it's actually designed from like a digital they they designed the inside stock to look like a digital like capture thing that they have in camera so that is actually 100% accurate (laughs) okay but uh, so we spoke about some possible interpretations of this movie all of them <laughs> I mean, we did t- we did talk about a lot of them, yeah, including all the use of the word spectacle. If there is one term I've heard just nonstop when it comes to talking about this movie, it's the word spectacle. I've seen it in YouTube videos, in thumbnails, in like articles, <laughs> in interviews, and then we've used it a lot. I mean, it doesn't help. I, the guy kind of said it himself, and it was about that. So. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Yeah, he didn't he didn't help himself. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of framed the the conversation himself as opposed to like someone else coming up with an idea like not like logan paul is like the center of the conversation or anything yeah funny enough i did see a response someone did about his take on this movie oh my god it's a bad take <laughs> yeah no it's a bad take he's I, if i without quoting the actual tweet direct i think it just came down to him not enjoying the movie and the meaning was lost on him yeah i, I saw a lot of people was like oh no this person logan paul is entirely correct and i'm like no most of the stuff that he complains about are either not important or are addressed in the movie yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i'm not the biggest fan of logan or jake paul but i won't focus too much on that i am actually kind of excited to talk about like if you liked the horror aspects of this movie or the sci-fi aspects of this movie because i thought they were really strong so i think that this movie is really good on both aspects but i also think that if you go into it expecting a film like the last two films from Peel or like generic horror slash sci-fi movie this is not your film yeah yeah for sure i can see that i talked to someone the other day about like the idea that like an audience can digest media incorrectly right mm-hmm. in the sense that like there are a lot of people who watch this movie and their takes from it i feel like aren't necessarily like you're dumb you need to like you know like there's always like the the meme oh you need a 200 plus iq to watch <laughs> Rick and Morty. Yeah, th- that kind of take. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, so like I, I think that that's like in disingenuous to like hold people to like a certain standard of like intellect, but I mm-hmm. do think that it is possible for someone watching a film to do it incorrectly in the sense that you know, you are looking for something and you're not getting enough specific something and not recognizing what the film is giving you itself. Mm-hmm. My, my go-to example is like when you're about to eat or drink something and you have like something else entirely in mind and terms of flavor like you, you drink a coke expecting dr pepper and you're like this is disgusting because i was expecting dr pepper mm-hmm. yeah and especially if you get led into believing you're about to experience something a certain way an example i can think of most recently is um we briefly talked about the sandman adaptation from netflix 
earlier in yeah. this recording, right? Initially, when I heard about that, I was excited because it's one of my favorite comic books of all time. I was like, oh, I'm hyped. I'm excited. I want to see what's going to come of this and see how they do, right? And the trailer came out and I was like really excited for this project, but that trailer was awful in my opinion. It was, it felt kind of standard and geared towards a mainstream audience. It didn't make me excited about the project other than me already knowing all of its potential. Like it had the most generic, like, uh, I don't know, kind of standard, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's funny too, because after this movie had ended, one of the things that I did before this film came out was I, I basically was like, I'm ignoring anybody who says anything about this movie. I'm super excited for it. People are saying the second final trailer spoiled too much. Let me just ignore it, right? Let me just not watch or read or consume anything in regards to this movie other than that Jake had. Let me see what this movie's about, right? And I go back after the film and I watch the final trailer. And yo, the final trailer for this movie is hot garbage. <laughs> like not only on like a selling this movie after but like in like a general trailer zone yeah if you did go into this movie expecting what the final trailer was selling you first off you were expecting a bad movie to begin with and then second you were sold an entirely different film than what peel was giving you right which is just a bad i think it's a bad uh choice of marketing yeah you can have a good like i feel like there's a really good like bit of like the first two acts that you can probably edit into a really solid trailer that has nothing that's not like real spoiler or whatever right mm -hmm. but like for some reason whoever cut that the final trailer together i was like man you did you did this movie a disservice <laughs> yeah and it's it's hard because um or at least the art of making a trailer is a tough business and a thing to be a part of because you have so much sway and like influence in how a general audience will initially perceive a movie going into it right but so much outside factors kind of contribute to it like what studio it gets hired to do the trailer yeah how much influence they actually have how much uh, influence the people that hire them get to say in their initial input and then sometimes we've seen the power of a trailer and their editing to completely change the direction of a movie like the original Suicide Squad movie that came out. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, the, the trailer made that movie look way more entertaining than it probably would have been. And then the studio panicked and shifted the entire course of that movie, which may have resulted in the terrible final product of that movie. It's crazy because that's a good example of when you go back to like the very first trailer, it sells a very different movie than the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, the studio was like, oh my God, I really like the Bohemian Rhapsody one so much better let's change the entirety of our movie to fit that i'm like oh my god i hate you guys yeah yeah and a current example of that is there's a movie that's i think currently out or will be out soon called bullet train starring like brad pitt and a few other notoriously big named actors right mm -hmm. i don't know anything about the movie the trailer makes it look a lot of fun because it uses that language dub of like staying alive the cutting and the editing makes the energy of that movie seem like alive and entertaining. But I did get this feeling of like, oh, I wonder if this is kind of that Bohemian Rhapsody trailer that I saw for Suicide Squad all those years ago, just again for another movie that may not be this exciting or this one to watch as I'm actually going to enjoy, you know? Well, I think for, for that one, I haven't watched the movie yet, but I think one of the people behind Deadpool made that movie. Oh, see, that, that's, that makes me feel like it's promising and that the trailer actually sold me what that movie was going to be like right 
But anyways, back to Jordan Peele. So yeah, so the idea that this film, right, like I feel like people walked into it and they digested this movie incorrectly because it's not necessarily like a jump scare or like gory, like a typical horror film that we see nowadays, right? Or that people associate with horror, mm-hmm. right? Like they're like, oh, the Halloweens and like the Friday 13th and the Freddy Kruegers of the world. And it's like, yeah, but like horror is also like Jaws. Jaws is a horror film. Which I've seen this movie slightly compared to to Jaws in marketing and interviews. Yes, you know, there's that. And then there's, you know, movies like, you know, The Shining and films like that where it's like there's slower burn films that are horror that like lean more heavily on the character and the tone and the the overall like like style of the film that I think this movie is definitely more in line with mm-hmm. than what I think a lot of people do when they say, hey, this is a horror film. Feeling nowadays, you more people can uh, what nope is is like a thriller, quote unquote. Yeah, okay, right. Which I guess is fair, but I think that like automatically putting slow burn horror into thriller. I think it by labeling a horror movie as a thriller movie is kind of just semantics a little bit. There are really good horror elements in this, like the sound editing and like moments of just downright just fear and terror. For example, the blood raining down on the house people screaming you know above them and everything is just completely darkened while all the rain is cast around them and leaving this empty hole or chasm of fear which i would say even if the whole movie just had that one scene that to me is enough to label this as a horror movie of that moment alone like the raining blood scene first off preceded by the the creature like we haven't talked about the fact that this isn't an actual like ship it's an actual creature but i cannot express how much i love this take on an alien alien ufo story i think it's one of the more original ideas for an alien movie yeah and i'm also surprised it hasn't been done before where the idea of a traditional like alien spacecraft with the like circle hasn't ever really been depicted in like a mainstream movie as an alien creature that to me is surprising and i love the way they did it in this movie oh yeah 100 percent. but basically the fact that it was preceded by the jupe has his show and they get all get attacked by the by the creature and then following the attack all you hear when the thing is flying around or in the canyon is the screaming mm-hmm. of the people from inside like you even get a good a good look at them being like eaten yeah and the way that when they are screaming and they're being like this claustrophobic just encapsulation inside this creature and then their scream just cut like it just stops and you know that yeah. they're consumed that is horrifying and unsettling without actively having to show a lot of gore you know because they're like the gore in this movie is just you know the after effect of the carnage which is really cool yeah so when they did the scene where it's pouring down rain and you get this creature flying around and he's basically he acts like the eye of a storm where it's like the calm in the middle of the storm where there's no rain and then suddenly all the blood just gushes out mm-hmm. covers the, the house I'm like oh my gosh this is absolutely terrible. and then the way they play with the weather and the whole idea of having to constantly look up without looking up. It kind of just like, I love that they took advantage of weather and environment. The way the UFO kind of flows and floats over the mountain ranges, how it just kind of like yeah. soars and changes direction and like reaches back. And then the way all the characters constantly want to look up or they look at the cloud that's not moving in the distance and your eyes are always just kind of searching for where it could be, you know? That's so cool. And then I'm so glad they incorporated rain into this because man talk about a horror staple just having something scary being on a dark and stormy night and the way this creature moves throughout the rain just adds the level of like horror intensifying you know so good yeah and and 
it, 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 it's at that point where it feels like there's a switch that goes off in the creature. It seems at first it felt weird to me that like for a good bit it was like kind of complacent in how it acted. It was mm-hmm. just going around eating horses, but it never really was like attacking anybody that we could see. It obviously had attacked people because it had swallowed up like coins and keys and stuff, right? Right. You know, we know that he's it, it had the creature had eaten people because it had like nickels and quarters and keys and all that stuff. But throughout the movie, it, it had done anything active in the sense that like it never went after people or it never like seemed like an aggressor. At least that we got to see or notice because yeah. as the movie starts off there were at least events of it abducting people without uh, anybody realizing. You yeah because they, they had mentioned that there were people gone missing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which was very good. Very well done. Yeah and so the idea that so the, the movie's going forward and there's like a switch that turns on for this creature where it's like oh I'm kind of done eating just horses mm-hmm. and so is like the catalyst where he's super loud showy so he's calling the creature towards him basically because he's a track sound originally and yeah. then then he goes sucks up that entire group of people that's when it decides that like it's gonna start like actively hunting oh yeah right because it feels like the reason it poured out all the blood on top of the house was entirely like a show of force like get out of there i know you're in there kind of thing really because i interpreted it as marking its territory mm. well the, the, main, the main reason i said that is because i say that is because like it had shot out things clearly earlier in the film yeah right but it wasn't trying to eat anybody at that point mm, okay but it was trying to eat angel because he had played all the loud music and was and then had to run back to the house and then it like gushed out all the stuff directly on top of where they were instead of just like immediately leaving after angel ignored it mm-hmm. right yeah. so, so it feels like and then it also falls in line with like later on in the film it starts like actively chasing people it turns into its big like old like billowy self as opposed to earlier in the film where it never felt the need to do any of that stuff yeah that's why i interpreted that moment with the blood raining down on the house as it's finally marking its territory because its aggression dials up after that scene you know okay i mean that's fair i, I totally i totally understand that take itself i see i see both so that's the yeah that seems peak though like entirely like the fact that people are like it's not a horror film because it's not that scary I'm like, yeah it's crazy that someone doesn't think this is a horror movie because aside from the brain of blood falling on this house you have that moment where jupiter is looking up at the sky and you don't get to see what's happening but you know what's going to happen and then oj arrives on the scene and it's a ghost town and it's just uneerly quiet all the cars are there. People were there and they're just gone now. You know, the movie starts off with the aftermath of what looks like a violent animal attack, which is also a horrifying moment and scene. There's so much good moments of horror sprinkled throughout this movie. And it's crazy that someone can be like, I don't know. I don't think I see it as a horror movie. Yeah. And, and then there's also the most traditional on the like, like nail on the head kind of horror moment is when Jupe's sons are dressed up as aliens. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That first off, that was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, very well done. I w- <laughs> I love that the character uh, OJ just said the name of the title of the movie and just nope. Yeah. Because I when that first time the alien just popped up out of the corner and then comes out through the door, I was also like, nope, get the fuck out of there. Fuck this. No, no, you need to go, man. <laughs> I have already invested too much uh, love into your character. I need you to survive this movie. Yeah, and then <laughs> I love the fact that he he gets surprised by one of them and punches it in the face and i'm like yeah exactly that's what you're supposed to do in this moment Punch <laughs> that thing in the face and run 
<laughs> yeah. And then the kids are like, you know, stop messing with Jupiter's place. <laughs> His sister Emerald is kind of like, oh, we need to retaliate. We need to get them. And he's like, well, you stole their horse. And she's like, yeah, true, true. <laughs> but yeah. one that scene is like masterfully done it is exactly i think i think that's what people were expecting from the entirety of the film right yeah yeah and he obviously all knows that but what we got is like such a smart deviation from typical horror and sci-fi that i was like no but like this is great <laughs> like what, what what you're talking about would have been fine and good and you would have really enjoyed it because it would have been scary because those things are terrifying but like right? this would be phenomenal <laughs> i mean i think that's part of the reason that scene was included and also people had some thoughts going into the movie what it was going to be like because like i said before i think this is probably one of the most unique takes on a ufo because i like i said i don't think in terms of mainstream theater or movies, I don't think I've ever seen someone take the idea of a spaceship being an actual alien creature, you know? Like, the only times I've seen the idea of an alien being this kind of floating, weightless creature is when I've seen, like, speculative biology YouTube videos of what an alien creature could look like if they lived on Jupiter or something, you know? Which yeah adds adds a whole level to the naming of this character jupiter or Jupiter. yeah <laughs> uh so i think it's so cool it's very much smart subversion and i i get it i understand why people didn't enjoy that but again i was like no just like enjoy the movie for what it is not what you're expecting from it i'm sure there's someone who listens to like most of our stuff and is like hey you're a hypocrite you didn't like thor love and thunder and that's supposed to be a kid's movie and i'm like look i changed my opinion from week to week it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think clearly we both enjoy some media geared towards kids that could be enjoyed artistically or just appreciate the work and craft they put into it like the sea beasts that you recommended to me yeah. or just other things but yeah i think i understand why someone would maybe not be super into this movie i think jordan yep. peele's movies specifically have this feeling of like you might not know what you're going to get out of them because he does or tries to incorporate a lot of commentary or like incorporation of certain themes or ideas he's really subversive about like the genre itself mm -hmm. yeah so, no i was like so you're like we're, we're, when we're talking about like us and get out and this movie now it's like you you very much are like oh this is a psychological thriller and you're like not expecting the way that it was done and us is more more akin to like a regular slasher film and it still also like has its subversion in the story yeah right and like i was mentioning before i wasn't a big fan of us i need to probably go watch that again maybe i'll have a different take on it but coming out i wasn't as much into it as i was the other movie but that's kind of what i mean about you don't really know what you might get or experience when you watch one of his three movies that he's come out with so far but so far i'm really enjoying the ability to walk in and not know what i might be getting and you know with this movie it was great i really liked it i will say this i will say this there is one thing you can always expect from jordan peele's movies mm -hmm. and that the cast is freaking amazing <laughs> wait, wait say that again said the cast oh the cast gotcha yeah no the cast is solid it is freaking amazing like um first off daniel kaluuya i hope he makes a movie with daniel kaluuya all the time he's him great yeah. mm -hmm, for sure and i'm really happy to see kiki palmer being in a movie i kind of miss seeing them in more mainstream stuff and also i love steven win you know you in yeah. yeah and then uh angel's character actor oh brandon piera i think brandon oh man i'm 
blanking entirely. <laughs> no, yeah, Brandon Pierre's but, character, Angel Torres, right? Yeah, so him, uh, he was great in this film. I mean, I would say that the only person in the movie that I was, like, less than stellar about coming out of it was the person who plays Antler's Hoist? voice, only because he was, like, the only person that I read out of the entire cast, like, hamming it up. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I liked his character because I understood what he was supposed to represent this guy taking advantage of the characters and this opportunity to make his own name based on completely off their discovery yeah. but i also kind of like how where he's like obsessed with chasing this perfect shot and it ultimately leads to his death uh, plus i kind of like how the characters understood all of that and they knew that he was doing this they were excited to be able to take advantage of his like desire to get that perfect shot, you know, like it it worked for both of them, even though it was kind of malicious in his intent. Yeah. So like slight return back to like themes and stuff like that. There's a one take that I've also enjoyed seeing about this movie is that it's kind of like a love letter to the crew and the people involved in like the more technical side of the more physical and technical side of making a movie. Right. Yeah. We're talking about like the, it, the movie ends with OJ, uh, you know, riding around. Who is an he's an animal handler first, but he's wearing a crew sweatshirt. And the people who survive are the guy who works crew, the the lady who helps with animal handling, and the dude who does the tech support stuff. Yeah. Right? That works at a fry that is apparently from watching and listening to YouTubers live in California and worked in the industry, that fries is very beloved or notorious because many people in the industry would go to that fries un until it got shut down because they closed all their businesses. So that yep. fries specifically has a special place for a lot of people in Cali. So it's, it's, that's why I was like, it's pretty neat that they did. Like, I feel like they, there is like a level to the homage part. So the idea that like, I think it also ties back into the idea of like black exploitation in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Where the idea is that like it starts off with the idea that the director or the film, the cinematographer of the first ever uh, video clip was remembered, but we don't know the name of the person riding the horse and it mm -hmm. happened to be a black man. And then we end the movie and we have a final act where the cinematographer, this big, big name filmmaker is mm -hmm. trying to go out of his way to like break away from the the actual plan to like find his perfect shot and then he ends up dying <laughs> yeah ends up dying and we never find out if the fit the footage he shot is even usable you know yeah and but i think that's really that's really neat like it's a good take on it but it's also entirely separate from that i thought it was also really cool that he uses an imax camera mm -hmm. so that the camera that the angel is loading is an imax camera oh really interesting i didn't i don't know what an imax camera looks like but that's cool it's a big old rectangle like suitcase of a camera <laughs> <laughs> okay super heavy super difficult to work with they're like notoriously difficult which is why like a lot of movies that use imax cameras only do it you know like 20 percent of a film or like 15 percent of a film like oh big action sequence and that's it yeah i i understand that most productions rent the equipment especially and there's only a f certain amount of imax cameras ex in existence yeah so the so the idea that you use one is like very cumbersome and you have to do it very you don't if you don't know what you're doing it's not worth it right mm -hmm. so, but it's interesting that he used one he uses that because he's a cinema photographer and he you know the idea is that he would want to capture on imax right. but also the cinematographer that he'll use his 
for the film is considered the best in the industry when it comes to IMAX. Yeah. Like him and his team are entirely like, if there's a name attached to IMAX in the movie industry, it is this guy and his crew because they know exactly how to use the cameras. Right. Um, and so it's very, it was very cool that Peel used him and then he actually got his input like, oh, if you wanted to catch an alien, how what camera would you use? And guy said IMAX cameras. And then <laughs> so they, because of that, he used an IMAX camera in the movie as what the guy, the cinematographer uses to capture the alien. Yeah, no, I think that was really clever. And as you were speaking to it earlier, I like that this movie ends the same way it's kind of started with the depiction of a black man riding a horse and we all know his name and it feels like this ends on a positive note where this they and the family the haywoods are going to have their name finally marked in history as the first people who were able to take an actual picture of a ufo and maybe angel angel as well because who knows if that footage that they shot actually still holds up and it might because it was all left to like yeah. interpretation and your own like feeling of what would happen next yeah also um i will say this the only thing that like kind of took me out for like a millisecond was i did think angel was gonna die um not because uh he got the he got eaten but because he got lifted up like 50 feet in the air wrapped in chain in uh barbed wire barbed wire and then dropped and i was like that guy's dead oh <laughs> yo, no yeah that guy needs some medical attention after this event i like that this movie kind of subverted the the trope of the black character in a horror movie always dying first because the only one we get to see in these movies or at least this this movie die is the filmmaker and also the tmz motorcycle guy i'm i'm jake no but, but jake i'm sorry to break it what, to you keith david was the first person to die in this movie oh damn ah my take is bad <laughs> i'm gonna have to delete this this part because we're gonna get a bunch of youtube comments again <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're saying, you're saying the first. Oh, oh, wait, no, no. I will, I will follow you up on this one. Technically, the first people we see die are the cast members of Jordy's home on the screen. You're right. Bam. Leaving this part in. Come on, YouTube comments, hit me up. Yeah, I, I'll stand by the fact that, you know what? I can see that argument, and if someone doesn't correct you, then clearly you're right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like this movie, man. It was, but I don't know if I can think of anything that I actively disliked about this movie. Like, I'm trying to rack my head and try to like, look at this objectively and be like, oh, I don't think I like this part or this part. But I, I mean, maybe I kind of would have liked an additional line or two uh, from Jupiter's wife, Amber Park, or some of their kids or something like that. Like, okay. it, I'm trying to think uh, what else I could have seen. Maybe having the character, I want to say her name was Bonnie Clayton, the woman who got a mauled and attacked by the chimp in the beginning. And then we get to see their like disfigured form later as they arrive yeah. at the showing. Maybe would have liked a little bit of an incorporation of her character a little bit more in this movie. I think it was kind of sad and traumatic the way that Jupe seemed to have coped with his trauma by having what looked kind of like a shrine to capitalize on his trauma from the show in his office. That he actually like sold to people. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of this uh, feeling of, man, I really hope you continue to seek therapy from that traumatic event because while it seems like you're coping, the way you look into the distance when you're retelling the story kind of implies to me that you're still not over it and understandably not on over it, you know? Yeah. And like the way he retells the story is by using the SNL skit, mm -hmm. which is like, it's like, there's like a sadness to that where it's like, you can't even, can't even bring yourself to talk about the actual event 
that's the best way you can do it is by referencing this like funny entertainment take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sound like he's not even equipped to speak about it objectively as a horrifying experience. You know, yeah, he like weirdly disassociates himself. But I will say this: so there's the one thing that uh, that I think that we haven't touched on in the slightest. I think I think we mentioned the concept that it surround that surrounds it. But the one thing I think we have we haven't touched on at all, which is I think a big talking point for a lot of people, is the shoe. <laughs> oh yeah, the shoe. I've seen a few thumbnails on YouTube being like, "What does the shoe mean? What does the shoe represent?" And yeah, so I think I think we you know I just wanted to touch on it briefly because I know a lot of people talk about it. But basically, like the idea that I, I'm of the opinion, and I agree with a lot of people's take that it's the concept that he is associated in this movie, which is it is a bad miracle, right? Mm-hmm. Something that is like a one in a million that should never happen, and it's like so crazy that you saw it. But the only yeah. reason it happened is because of like this absolutely terrible event. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the yeah. idea that like it's standing straight up and that's physically impossible. And it's like, yeah, no, like that's the only reason that's possible is because this this, fan, this group of actors got mauled by a chimpanzee. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, the shoe stuck out initially when I watched the movie. Right. But I didn't really make too much of it other than like, oh, I guess the shoe is pointing you up. So your attention will be drawn up or, oh, maybe the shoe was just kind of this like unsuddenly abnormally kind of like watch out or i don't really know i didn't think take that away from it being possibly a bad miracle but that's interesting i i haven't heard that take before actually yeah so that, i i like that take i kind of run concurrent with all the other things that are like happening in the film what else oh i didn't talk about this i again there's no real negatives that i can bring up but i can talk about more positives i like the design that jupe does for his kids alien costumes Mm-hmm. Right, because one, the faces look like the side canisters of cameras. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, you know how they they show the scene where he, they are like showing the Gordy attack, right? Mm-hmm. You'll see like three big TV cameras, and they have the big white canister, oval white canister with the black dot holding the film. Okay, okay, gotcha. So like that's what the that's what the face looks like. But then the body of the, the costumes is very clearly modeled after like a monkey costume, so it's a chimpanzee. Oh yeah, no, I I got that that the aliens kind of resemble a chimp, which feels like some subconscious thinking in terms of like. Jupe's character designing something still impacted by his trauma. Yeah, that's, I think Jupe's, it's on like one end, it's like, like Jupe's character is like weird entity where it's like people's conversations about this film like center around his, how necessary he was and how necessary the Gordy stuff was, right? Oh, I feel like it, it adds so much, man. It's in, intris, intrinsic to this movie. It all comes together with his addition. Yeah, that's why I was like, I think the people who say that, like I think are missing, like it's like a whole entire like mosaic, like where like these parts are like necessary but you don't understand why until you like take it in as like an entire like piece of art yeah and i mean the design of the mask kind of resembling a camera goes into the other ideas of incorporating cameras into this movie kind of like the alien's eye being similarly designed to be a shutter the cameras on the property of the haywoods the incorporation of angel's role as in like the camera guy the tech guy you know it kind of still it ties more things in so i mean yeah i've Oof, man, there's so much of this movie that I like. <laughs> yeah, see, when you said there's something we haven't talked about, and you said the shoe, I thought you were going to talk about the wacky inflatable swinging arm tube men. Oh, yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about them. The real aliens of the movie, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, the real aliens that are all around us. They are here in, in everyday sights. We see them all around us. They're just waiting to strike. <laughs> yeah, they're just there, just waiting. 
waiting mm-hmm. for them to just pop up at any moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just wa- wave their wacky inflatable arms just everywhere. <laughs> I was happy to see how they ended up being used because when some of the trailers or at least the pictures of this movie early on showed those wacky inflatable swinging R2 men, I was like, what is that? What, how is that going to factor into this movie? And it actually factored in really well. Yeah, so it, it's crazy that I, when I was watching the movie, when I, when I saw those saw those originally, right, and then I started watching the movie, I assumed what they were going to do was that they were going to use those to, like, advertise, effectively what Jupe does, and, like, advertise a show that they could put on using the alien, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, like, a very cynical, like, they're, they're also going to try to exploit this alien type thing. Because they kind of, like, you know, they talk about, like, using this as a way to make money, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I thought the, the imagery that I had seen prior to this movie, which is of the inflatable tube men with what they were discussing, I was like, oh, okay, so, like, that's what they're going for. And then to see that they used it more as like a like a beacon that can alert them to like where the location of the creature is, I'm like, oh, this is way smarter. And then it's, and then the, the mentality that like as soon as it eats an inflatable tube man, or it knows because it doesn't like flags not to eat them, like those are a good way of doing, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is so smart. Like, I would have never thought of this. Yeah, I mean, the plastic from the flags and the tube men pretty much save Angel Taurus's life in the end when he wraps himself in the plastic and the barbed wire. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, don't, I can't think of anything wrong. I think people should watch this movie. There's so much that you dig into. There's so much symbolism and imagery. Obviously, that's the same thing. But like thematic stuff, like clearly like, we talked about things that we saw in this movie that either one may can be completely incorrect or like not in, in, like not intended. But like being able to have this conversation, this is why I love good. This, this is why I think good. Like this is why I like these types of movies and like why I appreciate them so much is because you get to get so much. Oh, for sure. But I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Just Pick Something podcast. If you haven't seen the movie, nope. Go watch it. We've obviously enjoyed it. We spent, we spent like an hour over analyzing it, deconstructing it, trying to find every possible meaning or thing we saw in Nope. Maybe we got some right, probably got some wrong, but doesn't matter. It was a good time. What are your thoughts on the movie Nope? Send us an email with a username and your thoughts on the movie to jpspmailbag at gmail.com. You can find the email in the description and if we get any responses, We'll try to read them at the end of the next episode. The intro and outro song for this podcast is VHS Dreams by Sean Ivers. Link in the description. Thanks for listening and until next time.